And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with the great Dr. Bear Paul Lando coming to you live and direct from rainy Northern California here on the border of California and Oregon on the great in the great state of Jefferson here and uh, Smith River is flowing hot. Uh, it is high and um, man, I am loving this right now. Bear. I was talking before the show with Gabriel and Wesley how a few few years ago it was in the got the mid 90s here in may and right now it's like right. still almost winter i know it's not great for agriculture but i'm loving um the cool weather uh, right now and um we are going to go rafting on saturday so that's going to be a lot of fun so um but you're, we're still getting the Jalgulans doing okay, right? And it's not like we're getting hard. Yeah, I, I'm a little behind. You know, I had everything ready to go. I, I did a, an expansion with Charles's and and I've got a few hundred plants that I've been propagating in the greenhouse all winter and they got to get in the ground. Now I'm a few weeks behind. But, you know, our first year here, seven years ago, we had 186 inches of rain, which is just insanely crazy. And I think they're trying to do it again here. But, um, but yeah, all's good. Yeah, all's good. It's lush and the waterfalls are flowing and no complaints. And we truly live on the land. We um, we're tied to the land and that's what our topic is going to be about uh, a lot today. We're going deep into Anastasia. Uh, this has been uh, a one I've been really looking forward to with our guests today. Uh, real quick, um, uh, just one thing I wanted to say, Bear, is um, in a couple weeks, uh, at the end of this month, we do have the Music and Sky Gathering. It's it's coming along really well. If you guys are in the Southern California area or want to come and hang, um, it's an turned out to be an amazing event. We have Paul Enslaved there, um, uh, Melissa Sell, a bunch of our AlphaCast homies are going to be there. Uh, and so you can find out more at um, alphabetic.com forward slash SoCal Freedom Event, SoCal Freedom Event. And that is going to be a wonderful weekend retreat. So check that out. And, um, and we, um, we, we, we have our first private workshop coming up this summer here at the farm, which is very secret, which is why we aren't mentioning anything about it. We don't want anyone to know about it, but that's coming up and uh, more and more people are arriving on the land here and we're going to put on a great event. We'll um, video that. Uh, that'll be some of the content that will be in our private member portal with our new website. And uh, so a lot of fun stuff happening. So how's the sorry uh, to talk over you, Mike? And by the way, thank you for the superlatives every week. They keep getting better. And, uh, you know, it's quite a compliment from the golden voice of douche tube here. And I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to ask is the how's the Moloch statue coming for that event? Have you? Been, uh, <laughs> it's, it's good. It's uh, it's uh, four stories high. Very good. We're going to burn it in effigy. No. <laughs> okay here we go here Dude, we go that was fun. <laughs> we got some we got some awesome guests <laughs> today now i've got <laughs> i'm all choked up moloch's attacking me right now but by, by the way everybody <laughs> get get your tickets to the music and sky gathering go to that yeah wesley i hope you're going man you're a local <laughs> you're down there yeah uh, i i really have to make it yeah absolutely well, awesome. Well, hey, today, the ancient wisdom of Anastasia, the founders of the Anastasian Foundation bring their spiritual teachings of Anastasia and the Ringing Cedar series on this very special episode today. <clears throat> Excuse me. In 1995, a business trip took Vladimir Megre to the Siberian Taiga, where he witnessed incredible spiritual phenomena connected with sacred ringing cedar trees. 
He spent three days with a woman named Anastasia who shared with him her unique outlook on subjects as diverse as gardening, child rearing, healing, nature, sexuality, religion, and much, much more. This wilderness experience transformed Vladimir so deeply that he abandoned his commercial plans and penniless went to Moscow to fulfill Anastasia's request and write a book about the spiritual insights she so generously shared with him. True to her promise, this life-changing book, once written, has become an international bestseller and has touched hearts of millions of people worldwide. On this episode of AlphaCast, we are joined by Gabriel Miguel and Wesley Whitcamper, uh, the founder and the strategic partnerships director of the Anastasia Foundation, the largest English-speaking Ringing Cedars network. Through the Anastasia Foundation, Gabriel and Wesley are spearheading the establishment of the Motherland Party, as introduced by Anastasia and her grandfather in the Ringing Cedars of Russia series. Quote, when the nation is comprised of a multitude of families giving birth to their children in love and creating a space of love, it will not suffer from lawlessness or inflation. Such a nation will have no need to fight against criminal tendencies. They will disappear from society. Quote. The motherland concept is by no means a novel idea, for it is the original intention of our realm. The Alpha Beta Cooperative is establishing an infrastructure prototype for sustainable decentralization reproducible in every locale, while the Motherland Party provides the ideological and spiritual engine through the teachings of Anastasia. Couldn't be more excited about this episode and look forward to a long-term relationship and alignment between the Anastasia Foundation and Alpha Vedic. We are really kindred spirits here, Bear, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And uh, Gabriel and Wesley, thank you so much for making time with us today. This is I'm really looking forward to this. You know, I got into the Anastasia books, I, I don't know, pretty much when they were first released in this country. Mm. And uh, I mean that, you know, and I was writing that up last night. Um, you know, here at Alpha Vedic, we're building an infrastructure and all the stuff that we always talk about. But, you know, behind it, you've got to have some mana and some philosophy, yeah. ideology. And, uh, you know, I think that's really what you guys are bringing to the table, as well as a lot of, uh, you know, structural elements as well. But we right. recognize that, um, you know, we're leading with permaculture and, and a lot of the things we talk about, because that's pretty much what attracts people that are just more entry level. But, you know, when you get into it, that to us means, uh, you know, that's the, the first way we reconnect to spirit, reconnect to nature. And of course, that's what Anastasia is all about. So it's amazing what you people are doing. Um, what I'd like to do is um, give a little bit of a, I don't know if it's different perspective, but some perspective. Um, for whatever reason, uh, since early on in my life, I had this, uh, Kind of fascination with Russia, <laughs> with uh, the motherland of Russia, and it was just always there. I was even as a kid, I was always fascinated with everything Russia. I'd look at it on the maps. I, you know, to this day, I watch videos. You know, and you know, in the Siberian outback and everything. Just there's just something there. When Doctor Shivago first came out, and you know, I was in high school, I watched it four times, and you know, but there's there's a, a connection between Russia and. Uh, North America that is unmistakable and yep. Russia unbeknownst to people amidst all the political fog right now is really our sister country and they Indeed. have been there for us in a lot of ways and there's a very definite reason why in 1917 
the global forces of the dark that are now very active in against Russia again, um, you know, focused on Russia, took the Tsar family out and, you know, have really tried to, um, you know, make that the focus of communism. And right now they're still trying to come out of it. So there's a long history there. And when we look at current events, uh, there's way more going on than meets the eye. This is an ancient so spiritual war, an ancient spiritual war. And so when I came across the Anastasia books, it was just uh, I was delighted because it took me right into, you know, my fantasy of the Siberian outback and original Russian shamans and and, uh, you know, just just the, the, the best of all worlds. So this can be great. So maybe we could start out, uh, you know, for people that don't know you guys, just give us a little bit of background, maybe sure. how you got into it, uh, the whole, um, you know, the whole uh, party, the Motherland Party, the, the Anastasia Foundation, and, uh, yeah. and, you know, we'll just kind of follow your lead from there. Sure. Well, first, I want to say thank you guys. You, you said thanks to us for being here, but I want to say thank you for you guys for inviting us here to share this message. And uh, I wanted to say I have a lot of respect for the both of you and your sincerity and dedication to bringing truth uh, to everybody. So thank you for what you guys do. Um, and thank you for letting us be here. And um, yeah, there's so much to say. I, th I think your, your, your attractions to Russia, that's probably a past life thing there. You know, if you're inexplicably drawn to this place, you know, maybe you're, you're from there um, and you're here to bring that way of life to, to this part of the world, you know? Um, so yeah, there's so much to say, I mean, and, and especially about the political situation in Russia, I was just talking with Wesley before we got on the phone, uh, got on this call and I was telling him that they're passing a law right now. It's in the Duma, um, which is like the Senate or the, you know, the house of Russia, uh, for kin's domains for the entire country and kin's domains for those who don't know, we're going to get into it in a bit, but, uh, it's two and a half acres of land, uh, unconditionally for any willing family, in, in Russia, in the entire country, across the entire nation. And so they're voting on that right now. And that all comes from the Ring Exeter's books. Um, it, that's it, it already exists in some regions in Russia. They have the Homestead Act in some regions already, which is in, influenced by the Anastasia books. Marvelous. Did, did uh, Gabriel freeze up on us maybe there? Okay. Oh, I was frozen. There yeah, you, you were frozen. Yeah. My bad. Um, hey, and, and Gabriel, your mic's a little hot still. Uh, just it's a little you know. hot. Yeah. All right. So just let's try to do something about this. I apologize, guys. Oh, all good. I just want our viewers to have the best experience. But I... Um, How about now? Is it any different? Does it matter? It's a little better. But little go better. ahead. I can always fix it in post, too. I didn't want to... Oh, you're, man. You're I've got a, it. You're in a good flow right now. I've got it. I've got it set to automatically adjust. Let me. Um, oh, that's why. Yeah, turn that off. One more. Turn it off. Turn the camera down. How about that? Oh, now you're way low. Way low. <laughs> how, about, how about now? How about that, now? There we go. There we go. Good. good. Is that is that good, guys? Yeah. All right. All right. Sweet. Uh, so I so you gave a bit of uh, of the background of what the Ringing Cedars books are, and maybe I can start there. Maybe for people who don't know. Um, so the Ringing Cedars books, as as um. Mike was saying is the story of this Russian entrepreneur, Vladimir McGree. He goes out and he meets this woman, Anastasia, in the taiga, and she's telling him she's a survivor of, a, of an ancient civilization, global culture 
that has lived separately from our culture for since basically the beginning of time. Uh, it's called the Vedarus civilization. And she has genetic memory and abilities and access to all these things uh, all the way back to like Adam and Eve, you know? And so she's a, a shining example of what a real human being made in God's image is supposed to look like. And she's retained all these divine abilities and, and knowledge and things. And so she shares with Vladimir about, you know, man's relationship with God. Like, why are we here? Our purpose and relationship with nature. What is the significance of our connection with nature? How do we have love in our families forever? How do we have love that doesn't vanish? How do we turn this world into a beautiful paradise garden, right? She talks about all these wonderful things. So he goes and he writes this book and um, she says to him, she says, in the book you're going to write, there will be unobtrusive combinations, formulations made up of letters, and they will arouse in the majority of people good and radiant feelings, capable of overcoming ailments of body and soul, and will, and will facilitate the birth of a new awareness inherent in the people of the future. Believe me, Vladimir, this is not mysticism. It's in accord with the laws of the universe. So he goes, he writes the book, and you know, she talks about all these things, and, and I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of it, but the main idea of the books is uh, what's called a kin's domain. So the kin's domain is two and a half acres pieces, uh, a two and a half acre piece of land where basically, why is it called a kin's domain? Because it's the, it's the domain of your kin. You, you're saying, I'm taking my family, my family line, my ancestors, my, my descendants, I'm going to settle them all in this spot here and pass down this land generationally forever. I'm going to make this land into a beautiful paradise oasis where I'm going to give birth to children or raise the children that I already have and hand that down to them. And so um, I, I actually want to show some pictures and, and uh, share my screen here because I've put together a bunch of images. And, and this idea ties into everything else that we're discussing here. Um, so yeah, cool you should be screen, you should be able to share. And just to be clear, what is her heritage again? I where does she? What is so her people she, called again? Her people are called the Vedarus, Vedarus. So Vedic Rus, you know. Yes. Yeah, and so a lot of people talk about um, Tartaria, for example. But I would say this is even before and deeper and broader. Then she talks about the history of our of the whole world, and she says the Vedarus people were all the way from England to China, everything in between, one people. And they all lived on kin's domains and she called them God people. And she said they knew God and they lived in this divine culture and it was, the world was unified at that time. Um, and the, the Vedarus culture died out about 2000 years ago, lastly in Russia. That's where it held up mm -hmm. the last. Yeah, um, we, have, um, we have a guest. Jesus, it was still there. Uh, sorry, just quick comment. Uh, we have a Please. guest coming up, uh, Jason from Archaix, who's done amazing research as far as the history of everything you're talking about. Uh, so we're going to be getting into the genetics of, uh, you know, different peoples throughout the world, different civilizations, you know, present a true timeline. Uh, that's, uh, you know, even Sitchin and people like that were a little bit off or a lot off. And, um, you know, also explain why maybe the, the roots of somebody like Anastasia, blonde hair, you know, type individual out in the Siberian outback uh, and, you know, how all those peoples came about in the first place. So uh, th that's going to be fun. So I'm, I'm eager to kind of hear all of this and then, you know, integrate it with some of the material we're going to be going in on here. Yeah, I, I see it as the Tartarian kind of tried to bring back 
that technology a bit. And they were like a later phase that then got wiped out in these resets. But yeah, fascinating right. stuff. Thanks for answering that. Yeah, it seems to be tar what I from from my limited perspective of Tartaria, it seems to be post Vedic, like Vader's mm -hmm. period, um, because she she goes back 10,000 years and, and further. Um, and she says that mm -hmm. that period of time lasted a very long time, the Vedrus civilization, up until like 2,000 years ago. But um, anyway, so talking about the, the Kin's domain, I'm going to share my screen here and um, describe to you a bit about what this is. So here we go. Can you guys see that? Yep, it's coming. Beautiful. So the Kin's domain, this is an artistic drawing that somebody in Russia drew. And by the way, the books have sold more than 30 million copies. Uh, worldwide been translated into more than 22, 25 languages. Um, so international bestsellers, it's mainly in Russia. And what the Kin's domain is, is a two and a half acre piece of land where, you know, I was talking about you settle your family here and uh, you, you build a, um, a living fence. So you plant a living fence of trees, 50 to 75% of that two and a half acres becomes forest. So most likely a food forest and other productive species. Then you have your orchard, you, you have a garden, you build a house, you dig a pond and you do all these things. And um, yeah, so that, that's what the domain is. But the interesting thing is that it's, it's so much more than just like a homestead. It's not really a homestead. Uh, it's, it's about why two and a half acres specifically. It's because that is the, right size piece of land where you can interact directly with everything that's growing. So it's about a spiritual connection to God through the nature that you are, that you are creating. Right. Um, so there's a lot to say here. Here are some more, more images that people have drawn, you know, beautiful artistic depictions and things, but here are our, Oh, this is another, this is another piece of art that really kind of gives the vibe of, what we're going for here, you know, the mother and father with their child in this beautiful paradise kind of oasis here. But here are some real ones. This is from Russia. Um, you know, this is what they look like from above. There's a million different kinds of ways that people can go about establishing their domains. So they all look very different. Um, there's a whole bunch of ways that it can happen. But yeah, I mean, I wanna go back here because it's also about, you know, I'm talking about giving birth to children on this domain and handing down uh, the land to them. So Anastasia talks about preserving love and families. So she says that uh, a man and woman who meet each other can take the initial love that they feel in their heart. They plan this inspired design, which is kind of materializing their love, right? They go take this piece of land. They give a material embodiment to their love to their spirituality. And when they plant these trees, when they plant these flowers, when they plant this place and they build this house, that energy gets reflected back at them in this space. And so you wind up creating what she calls a space of love, right? It's a place where the conditions are met for love to dwell eternally, right? So why does love go away in our families? Big problem. Right? Why do so many people get split up? Why is there so much discord in our families? It's because we don't live in the places, in the conditions where love can flourish, right? And so, but this is creating the ideal conditions for love to stay in family, right? And for the children to be raised in an environment of love, right? And also, um, 
connecting with God through nature. She says that, you know, um, to understand the thoughts of, uh, to, to be one with God and to, and to understand God, you understand his creations. God has taken a material form through and throughout the entire universe is all these different things. He just doesn't have a body, but he is the trees. He's the grass. He's the, he's the flowers and everything. And you can interact with all these things, understand the perfection of nature. Um, you can understand God, be one with God. So it's about communicating with the universe, with God through this nature, right? So here's another happy family mm. living on their domain. Here is a, a little design of the living fence, of the beauty of it, but also the utility. You know, here is so the idea some... with the living fence is that you have a perimeter around the two and a half acres. That's a hedge grow or, or a tree line that yep. defines your boundaries, but it's through na it's a natural boundary. It's not a, a actual built fence. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, you don't have to do any maintenance on it. You know, just make sure your trees aren't going <laughs> crazy. But in general, it can be productive for you. It can give berries and flowers and you know, fragrances and nuts and all these things, you know, you can be as creative as you want with it. Um, here's a house that somebody built. This is a hand-built house. This is the same domain from above. This one's pretty well established. I think it's about a decade old, maybe a bit older. Um, I wish we had it. some aerial views of the AV gardens because it's very similar the way that uh, bears Actually, Actually, we do. The, the footage that uh, David Ike took last uh, summer, that's going to be out in a documentary here anytime. Um, there's a lot of drone footage. And from, I was just, one of your earlier pictures, it had some spiral borders around a planting bed. And yeah. uh, when you see the aerial uh, photographs of our place, it's all spirals and sacred geometry and you know, oh, different numbers of things to create resonance. So uh, I, I picked up on that one, one of your first slides there. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And so these are all from Reston, by the way. These are all from pretty well-established kin's domains and things like that. So this is what I have of the individual domains so you guys can get a view. But then the second thing is uh, the settlements. So what happens when, what happens when, hundreds of families get together and they all build their own kin's domain, right? They say, I'm going to take this space. I'm going to establish this space. And all of us have the same intention, you know, 350 families come together and they build a settlement. You know, it could be anything from five families all the way up to 400 or whatever. Um, in Russia, there is almost 500 settlements, the largest ones, like I said, like 400 plus families. Um, they've been around the oldest ones more than two decades already. They've given birth to lots of children. They've planted tons of trees and things, as you can see here. Um, they're very big, well-established, and it's a giant movement that's sweeping across Russia and people don't know. And the other countries of the former Soviet Union, Europe, and America. That's what we're doing here. That's what our foundation is about. We're trying to help people um, go out and establish these. So this is what they look like from the air. Um, you can see the individual, uh, the individual domains here, these little squares. Um, and this is a happy group of settlement people. This is another set of domains from the air. You know, it's just mm. beautiful to see this. And these are some early, early stage development domains here. Um, but this is really happening. So I really wanted to show you guys, you know, the families are happy, the people are beautiful, 
it's all about children and babies and they do festivals and things. Um, they're always celebrating various things. Yeah, what yeah. I love is it's really grounded in this idea because the Kins Domain is about having a multi-generational family on the land, right? right? So it's not this like, we had this big uh, back to the land movement in the 60s and 70s, which we've talked a lot about on the show. And that was more about communes and more about collectivism. This is more about the family unit being decentralized, uh, but then having neighboring families that are all conjoined that where you can work together and you can engage with each other as a community, but you have your own family unit on your own land. Is that correct, Gabriel? You, you hit it so perfectly, Mike, that you just said it so well. So there's a huge difference between what we know in the West as like eco villages and what a kin's domain settlement is. So a kin's domain settlement is comprised of individual families who are building this space for their family. Right. So it's not they're coming. They're not coming into this, you know, this whole idea of the settlement just to just to make a community necessarily. It's like, I'm right. yeah, that's it's nature's it, 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 for your self-expression yeah. and your lineage. Um, hey, Wes, you broke it, up for a second there. What you say? It's nature's what? It's nature's canvas. Uh, for your self-expression and lineage. And, and what, one of the things that would differentiate a kin's domain from just your ordinary homestead is that you bury your, your dead underneath fruit-bearing trees and then future generations know, oh, that apple is from great-grandpa whoever, you know, or great-great-great-great-grandpa, you know, is the apple tree out front and, you know. Right. goes on from there right yeah one of the things you do too is you plant your family tree so it's the tree that kind of symbolizes your family and she anastasia talks about that the kin's domain draws the souls of your ancestors back to that spot to incarnate in that spot right to you know the children that are being born are your ancestors from the past and so i really wanted to get into this part with you guys but she solves the whole um problem of on you know terrible reincarnations that people go through. About she's like the she's like the ultimate syncretist by the way it, like she, everything and i've only read book one some some of two and some of four so i got a lot i got a lot of way to go like a long way to go but sure. I, what i find so amazing about anastasia so far from my readings is that she ties into everything that as far as gnosis and logos and truth from what I've found through all these other, um, you know, sources, the Gnostic texts, uh, going back into um, uh, the ancient Vedics and to the Bible, to uh, the ascended masters teachings, to, um, you know, um, you just go down the line um, and it's all weaving. She weaves everything into this total. You could just tell it's from her direct connection to source to God where she's pulling this from because she, and I'd love for you to explain a little bit to our audience that doesn't know about her more too down the line is like, she doesn't even sure. live in a house. She lives on her Not own kin's domain in a way, I guess, but she, she doesn't even have structures she lives in. She's basically right. nude most of the time. She is a superhuman. She's like a superhero. Which, um, what's great about uh, works like Anastasia is it's, it's true. Everything that you're talking about, Mike, but, it's not occulted, you know, a lot of Gnostic books and, sure. and old teachings, they're occulted. 
for different reasons. Right. But when you get these rare uh, works that are from somebody that's actually connected, just grounded, and just talking from firsthand experience, all of a sudden the hermetic principles and all the things we talk about are just right there in your face. It's, it's nothing mysterious. It's just a natural way of life. That's so true. When I, when I first read book one, um, that was my experience. I was like maybe a quarter of the way through and I, and I picked up the book and I was like, this is the first time in my life that I've read like just undistorted, clear truth, just laid out with no mysticism or anything. It's just all there, you know? Yeah. I would have to share that in reading the books, one of the first things she says is read these in nature because nature wakes up to you. You know, the, what she really paints the whole story as is there's artificial programming, which has been created that most of humanity follows. And then you have natural programming, which is, you know, God's law, AKA it's self-evident. And when you follow the natural, you achieve, you know, the miraculous when you follow your intuition you achieve the miraculous whereas when you follow the artificial you just end up you know an unknowing slave and yeah, she she talks she mentions this a lot in the book the techno technocracy i mean technocracy. she's talking about the technocracy in the 90s right? When he's right. with her, she was so ahead of the game because that, that's like one of the biggest buzzwords now, right? In to Russia, her, she's talking about it. In Russia. I mean. and, and to her, technocracy is anything that is artificial, anything that is mechanized, that is machine. Because, and, and Steiner touches on this too, Rudolf Steiner, <clears throat> the technology of the future will be consciousness organic based. It'll be like what supposedly the At Atlanteans had, which was they literally harvest technology from seeds, from seeds yeah. and stuff. So it was, this is where we need to go. And so for Anastasia, that's what she's talking about. She's like, you silly man, your technology is a joke. Everything that you think is so advanced is a laughable compared to what real technology is. And she doesn't say technology is bad. She's saying the technocratic system of artificiality. Right. She says that there is biological technology and there is artificial technology. And, uh, and here's a good one. She says that, um, all of our space travel is just primitive, right? We only use explosion. She's like, did you know, Vladimir, that there's implosion and like the force that's created by implosion? She's like, that's how the aliens in their spaceships drive around is with implosion. But then she talks about, you know, because I love the, I love the show because I can get kind of deep with you guys. She talks about in book 10, she talks about the, the cosmic destiny of man, you know, man in the image of God creating life on other planets, right? Like our ultimate destiny. How do we bring beauty and life and harmony to the rest of the universe? Why are all those planets there, right? What are we, what are they there for? It's for when we eventually go out to, to go on them and bring life to them. Like God gave life to, to this earth. And so she talks about a, you can design your kin's domain in a way where it becomes essentially a biological spaceship where you can use biological, natural technology and, and consciousness to transport that domain, make a copy of it, on another planet and bring yourself there. She talks about psychotelepathic exploration of planets, like people traveling yeah. to other planets and all this. So it gets pretty deep by the end of that's the series. What, that's what Sasquatch yeah. does, I think. Just to drop yeah, that Yeah, and, um, <laughs> and it remains to be seen if we're traveling extraterrestrially or if it's actually interdimensionally. And, you know, of course that's a, a debate out there these days, but, 
either way, it's, it's the same sort of thing and that we're using our consciousness as the conduit for travel. Um, you know, where science, uh, where we think of science today, where it took a bad turn was uh, back in the early days of alchemy. You know, the early alchemists who worked in their chemistry labs, they not only mimic nature, but they were all engaged in healing the body. Uh, you know, they're engaged in the healing arts. And so they were uh, always coming at it from that perspective. Then when chemistry, you know, went down just one side of the equation, um, it was about trying to take energy out of materialism. And, you know, of course, that's led us to uh, all the nuclear business and, and the technocracy that we're talking about right now. And uh, so, you know, what, what we're talking about here is just going full circle, only I think this way with an appreciation where maybe we can find a happy medium and not be ruled by our own inventions. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, as people are saying that my mic is a little... Yeah, we're little... still we're still finagling with the mic. It's uh, Yeah, if you want to bring your mic a little closer to you, you sound uh, okay to this? me, but I guess we're loud, so... How about this, Mike? Is this better? Is that better, everybody in the chat? Sorry. Well, I'll, and, I, and for those who are, this is the live stream. I always go in and I fix the audio for the podcast. So you can listen to this later as an audio podcast too. Yeah, guys, I can't see the chat. So I would. Oh, that sounds yeah. much better. Okay. That's better? Yeah, yeah. All right. Good, and I'll, good. I'll, I'll, I'll fix this all in post. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so for me, as a, someone who appreciates digital technology for what it's giving us right now, even though we're having all these technical difficulties, um, I see it as a precursor to this grander analog organic type technology of where we right. become psychic again, where we have the ability to interface through nature, through structured water, whatnot for communication. And Anastasia, I believe she's already understands all that. And she's all so she's it's just so fun to read her because it's just like i i resonate bear so strongly with everything she says and how she says we are man and what she means mm -hmm. by that is we are the original creation under god we are god's children and in the in the origin story in book four which i was just reading last night she said discusses how because you were mentioning how this is sort of a um, these kin domains are a manifestation of love. Well, it was love. Yeah. It was the energetic of love that gave itself to God, according yeah. to her, you know, origin story that which allowed for the universe to then unfold. Right. Right. So the key is love, of course. Right. right. Love is our immortality. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She talks about immortality and she says there's three conditions for man to be immortal. She says one, you need to have a space that the man has created, which attracts the soul of that man back to it. So your, your space of love, your kin's domain. Two, you need to have at least one person in the world who thinks of you with love. And three, at the time of your passing, you can't admit the thought of death. You have to visualize and see your life again in that domain. And so you can incarnate back into this little paradise that you've created for yourself forever and ever and ever. And so, you know, love really is our immortality. And on a, on a side note is that she's solved this dilemma that's been a religious problem for thousands of years, which is how do we end all, all of our suffering? Do we just end all of our reincarnations? Do you hop off the wheel of reincarnation? Or now can every family go out and establish a kin's domain and come back and live, you know, their soul is at peace now. 
like you can you don't have to fly out into the universe into the darkness or into suffering or reincarnate back into something terrible you can come back to your garden you know with your family you know i mean reincarnation is real and how do we how do we steer the wheels of that right so we've been given a, a tool now to do that yeah that's that's quite amazing the idea I mean, there's been a lot of debate in our community around what is the nature of the realm, right? And is it round? Is it flat? Is it this? Is it that? In the end, it's like all of that doesn't matter when you focus on this kind of concept where it's much more than, than physical shape. It's about, it's about spirit. It's about emotion. It's about family. It's about extending consciousness out. And uh, she just, she says it in very interesting ways where she basically says the center of the universe is man, is, is yep. these kin domains in a way. Yeah, she, sa she says the earth is the center of the universe. And uh, she says that there's no more pleasing action that a man or a woman or anybody can take uh, that's pleasing to God than to establishing their domain. Because really, if you think about it, that's how God made the universe and, and made the earth is that it was in his thought at first, and then he kind of dreamed all this into existence, but he dreamed this beautiful green world full of plants and, and animals and the water and the sunshine and the rain and everything. And then he established all this and then he put us here, you know, Adam and Eve. And then he said, enjoy this garden, take care of it, give birth to children and steward this world. And so the kin's domain is a micro level replication of those exact actions. You're taking a piece of the earth, you're designing it, in the most beautiful way that you possibly can, uh, you know, full of harmony and, and love and joy and function and all these things. Then you say, I'm going to birth my children here, raise my children here, just like God gave birth to us to live in the garden. And now you've become man, you know, you fulfilled um, God's purpose for us, right? Is to, he, we're recreating those exact same things. So we become like God, right? Yeah. Well, mankind is intended and is in fact the event horizon we are the intermediary uh you know way station between heaven and earth it's our job to be that conduit to channel heaven on earth and you know we talk about the realm and like mike said there's a lot of debate about the shape and i'm always saying well who cares and and of course you get attacked for that pretty vehemently these days but uh what i just care be neutral. about more is yeah, what I care about is uh, how it works. You know, it's a functional technology. And when you understand all my other work and, and everything else I've done my entire life, when you know how something works, then you're home free. You know, then you can do whatever you need to do. And a lot of secrets as far as what people debate about are actually revealed. So we live in a functional realm. And when we uh, are more involved with how things function, you know, then, uh, you know, nothing else really matters. And just like Victor, you know, you mentioned implosion, Victor Schauberger, just by watching Trout in the Stream, you know, figured out the whole implosion, uh, you know, technology, and then um, introduced it to uh, vehicles that now can defy gravity as we think of it, you know, they, they literally levitate. So all the technology is there. And of course, it doesn't mean that we have to steal uh, resources from nature in order to propel things and, and use things up in a one-way kind of universe. Um, it's all there. And technology is great, of course, if it mimics nature and if we understand how things function in the first place.
Right. And, and I'm glad you said that, Bear, because you reminded me of something I wanted to say earlier. Um, she says that none of our technology is, is more perfect than what already exists in nature. She says it's just a poor imitation of what already exists in nature. And she talks about, um, you know, like the, the technocratic system. And she says that uh, we have to, oh man, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here, but basically that, you know, we under, to understand nature and to understand space is to understand God. So you're talking about how everything works, right? And so we can have that experience and all that can be unfolded to us by our direct, conscious, loving interaction with nature. You know, God isn't hiding any secrets from any of us. It's not some you, you get the secrets and you don't thing. It's who's there to listen, right? It's who is actually, right. There's right. nothing new under the sun. We can't possibly bring forth anything in the outer world unless it already exists. Yes. And the application of the consciousness to this, to the physical realm um, is also bridged in these books when she talks about everything from before planting seeds, putting them in your mouth first, because it'll, the seed will pick up the information in your DNA. And then when it fruits, it will complement you because everything in nature wants to complement us. And so we're, we're, we're supposed to engage with nature. This is our, this is our, you know, divinity, um, you know, and the, the examples just go on from there, yeah. you know, like the, the living fence, it never needs to be replaced like your traditional, what we consider a traditional wire fence, you know, everything has a purpose and our job as stewards of this earth is to figure out those purposes and then to use our own creativity and divinity to create this space of love. You know, another example is when you wake up in the morning, you walk your kin's domain barefoot because the toxicity that has come out of your, the soles of your feet while you sleep will go into the soil and then the land knows what else, you know, it needs to complement you. And this whole interaction of uh, the biological and the conscious or spiritual is what we are in, you know, and what many people consider the battery that we live in. So Wes, uh, if you don't mind, can we back up a little bit and can you tell us a little bit how you and uh, Gabriel hooked up and how you got involved in all this? Yeah, so, um, I mean, to be, I, I kind of want me to tell the story. No, I, I can, okay. I can try to get, bring sort of my history. Um, you know, I was born in a log cabin in West Virginia and lived on a farm, you know, pretty much off the grid for the first 10 years of my life and then moved to Brooklyn, New York. So I kind of saw this whole artificial world versus natural world very early on. So when I read the books, it was, it was very um, resonating. And like I said, the books tell you when you're in nature, uh, it'll wake up to you. And I was reading the books and this bear literally comes out of the woods. And I was like, whoa, these these books are, you know, they read like a Disney movie, but there's something to them. You know, they, they're purported to be real. So maybe they really are real. And um, I ended up con contacting the author and inviting him to the United Nations to speak at a conference uh, that I helped put on with my brother and his nonprofit, Nexus Global. 
And really, I just wanted to meet the author to figure out how authentic he was. And he was so genuine and so authentic. And then when I, you know, helped put together that event, I met Gabriel, because as soon as you read these books, you want to meet other people who've read them. And then Gabriel and I started working together and, and we did another event um, the next year uh, when, when we had um, Vladimir in New York again. 2016. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, I mean, that's and then Gabriel, and I, I've kind of been spreading the word on the festival circuit um, and Gabe's been kind of doing it online. And we have uh, we're, you know, best friends and we just do this to, you know, try to move humanity forward. I, I it's a, just a life of purpose. Um, I, I've had my experience in nature and I'm living in an urban environment now, but uh I can still find the nature here. You know, I do urban foraging and I go to the beach a lot and the, nature is everywhere, you know, and, uh, you know, the birds are everywhere. So I still, um, you know, find, hey, find birds, birds aren't real, man. Birds aren't real. <laughs> it's interesting that that's what goes to the top of, you know, mainstream media. It's just absurd. <laughs> <laughs> but that, yeah, Bear, thanks for asking. That's kind of uh, so my and I West can in any direction, but yeah. West lives in Venice Beach, California, right? Currently, where yes. where is where Alpha Vedic family just recently moved away from. You're in the heart of the of the belly of the beast in many ways, but Venice also was like this homeland of beauty and art and uh, counterculture and you know, was very punk rock for a long time, and now it's kind of become a homeless bastion of, of like liberal ideology but you're doing really cool stuff there you're holding the light in that area we were able to hang out at the health freedom for humanity event um of a couple months ago and that's how i met wes in person and wes is embodying the anastasia aesthetic and um dream in la so props to you homie yeah i mean you well you know a lot worth sprouting <laughs> yeah and, no, and, and you know no lost I was just going to say Los Angeles is uh, named the city of angels for a reason. It is a place of great light. Unfortunately, it attracted a lot of moss in the interim, but it will return to greatness someday. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And that's what the books tell us is, you know, don't just go moving to nature. You got to clean up the urban environment you're in. So, you know, a lot of yeah. people are doing urban homesteading here with, you know, not just plants, but also chickens or quail or rabbit or guinea pigs even you know there there's uh nature finds a way that's the thing we are we are the uh the flowers growing through the cracks of the concrete the artificial programming is the concrete and the natural programming is always going to take over but unless you get constant maintenance of the artificial and this is what she teaches in, in these books and it just resonates so deeply when you look at the people who are living properly in the world who don't even know about these books, they're just intuiting life as opposed to following the artificial programming, which Anastasia calls them robo sapiens. They're people who just, you know, blindly follow <laughs> the biological robots. Yeah. You know, the media, you know, in science, the media is the auger that grows the, the Petri dish culture. And so we have this messed up media grows this messed up culture, but it's all completely artificial. And when you get back to the natural, you know, it is an intuitive thing. We, we're, we can divine this information. And there's plenty of people living this lifestyle 
now without even knowing about the books and prior without even knowing about the books. It's just where we resonate in this realm, you know? And it's what it what makes us healthy, you know, like they do experiments, people out in their garden, have, you know, have stronger heart rates and, you know, all the biological symptoms of someone healthy. And, you know, you go into a sheetrock box and all those things will drop off. So it's self-evident to me. Um, but my uh, my yeah. wife and myself, you know, we we author some articles together and uh, we did one a few years back about that very thing where we looked up all the research as far as people that do work out, you know, growing things and, and gardening, you know, just all the health attributes. And uh, years ago, when I uh, read the anesthesia books for the first time ever since uh, we put all of our seeds in our mouth. So it's common sight around here, you know, when we're planting things either outside or in the greenhouse, we always look like chipmunks with, <laughs> with a whole mouthful of seeds, you know, uh, you know, before we put them in the ground. Maybe Wes or Gabriel, could you go step by step on Anastasia's um, uh, methodology for planting yeah. seeds? Because it is very, very cool. Absolutely. So Anastasia says that you can grow plants in a certain way that can cure any disease imaginable without exception. And so she gives you a, a process on how to do this. And she says that plants grown in this way are more perfect than any medicine that could be manufactured because what grows, these plants are grown specifically for you and your conditions. And so what she says is you take the seeds of whatever you're trying to grow, you put them under your tongue and you let them sit in your saliva for nine minutes. And during that time, the seed becomes impregnated with all this information uh, on all these different levels about you and your current condition. And then she says, you take the seeds out, uh, you blow like warm air from your mouth on them. So like a breath and you hold them out to the sky. You should be standing barefoot in the spot where you're planning on planting the seeds and you hold them out to the sky to get information and light from the stars. And then you plant them and then you put a little bit of your saliva in the hole, ideally. And what those plants do is they are now informed of all these different conditions of your body. And they go down and they get the nutrients and other things from the soil that you specifically need. And eating, she says, just a few of those plants in your garden. You don't need to even have your whole garden planted like that. She says, just a few will be enough if you eat them consistently to cure any disease. She says, just without exception. Um, and so it's very powerful. Now I was going to ask you, Bear, because I know you're, you're planting a bunch like that. Like, have you noticed the difference between like normal plants and plants when you plant them that way? Oh, absolutely. And we've done it for a long time. Uh, unmistakable. And the process that you just described from Anastasia is exactly what we do in an alchemy lab. Uh, you deliberately and consciously interact um, whatever you're trying to do with all four levels of ether. And, you know, you, you just described the whole continuum of ether and doing a conscious conscious interaction with each one of them so you know you're you're taking from consciousness stepping it down and uh you know mm. creating you, you know you're really duplicating uh the creative process uh which is what we're 
assigned to do here in the first place. But yeah, uh, the, the food, it's not just that you're growing it on your own, but when you bring in those uh, understandings that you just described, it, it brings it up to another whole level, just like making something in the lab, you know, when you're interacting with it in the same way. And it also becomes, you know, a very uh, spiritual practice because in that process, you're not just getting good food to heal your body, but you're creating a resonance on all those same levels of your being so that now you're operating on a full sensory apparatus, just instead of just being a, uh, you know, the, the typical um, onlooker, you know, that we've become in this life. Yeah, there's a there's an interesting scene in the books where Anastasia. Sorry, am I saying it right? Everyone's like arguing. Anastasia. Anastasia, Anastasia, Anastasia is Anastasia. the way to say it, like Russian. Uh -huh. The Americanized pronunciation is Anastasia. You yeah. know, tomato, tomato. <laughs> Yeshua, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, you know. Uh, so there's a scene in it with with Vladimir where she has him lying down, and all these bugs start getting on him, and he freaks out, and he actually like does something really terrible to her because he's freaking out, and. Um, and she's like, what? And he was like, what are you going to have the bugs kill me? They're going to eat me to death. And she's like, no, stupid. They were coming and they were healing you. They were they were taking off the, you know, the bits of toxicity off you. And I cleaning bring this up. Pores. Yeah, they were cleaning out she his says, pores. She says your body couldn't breathe and your whole body was stuck up. So they're cleaning out your pores. And I, I bring this up because it's also our relationship to the animal world that is so crucial, right? That we live on this garden planet with all of these, the microbes, right? The microorganisms that we are literally interplaying with our consciousness, with with our saliva, with the plants interacting with them. It's, it's this like amazing, holistic, all connected environment where literally mm -hmm. She talks about how the chip, like the squirrels are feeding her and she just right. kind of, she's like the ultimate um, uh, perfect eater where she's just like kind of eats when she's hungry, just off the land, all these amazing things because she's the true master. But there's this idea of animals and our connection with animals. I would love to get deeper into that too. But one thing too, Gabriel, sorry to interrupt. We didn't get your story. How, yeah. how did you like, how did you become where you are now as like starting this foundation and everything? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, the, the long and short of it is that I found the books, you know, as a young man, I'm, I'm young, I'm only 27. And uh, about 10 years ago, I think is when I read the books, uh, 2014, so eight years ago. And, um, you know, I was like 19 or something. And I, I had spent my life searching for truth. I had read the books of the various religions, uh, you know, the apocryphal books, everything. Um, and, you know, I found a lot of things that made sense to me, but I didn't feel like I had a full picture of life that made me feel like I had a life that was worth living. You know what I mean? Like a, a picture of the world that inspired me to get up every day and, and continue going through this crazy system that we live in. Um, and after some very deep soul searching, I was led to the books, a uh, spiritual teacher I was following at the time, who I believe is a charlatan now, but he did some good stuff. Um, he, he, he mentioned the books and um, he said the Siberian master Anastasia, and those words just just stuck with me. And I said, Siberian Master Anastasia. So I go look it up and eventually I find the books and buy them and devour them, eight of them in two weeks. And um, and basically, you know, halfway through book one, um, I just felt like I understood what she was saying so deeply and that I connected so deeply with her and her message that I just said, you know, for the rest of my life, this is what I'm doing. I found what I want to do and uh, I am going to dedicate my life to sharing this everywhere and building this movement and connecting these people 
And, um, you know, so it started as a very small thing. It started as a, I was trying to find other people who knew about the books and it was basically impossible. Um, at that time in 2014, if you looked up Ringing Cedars, there was no community online. There was some forums, they were shut down. Um, and so I started a free forum. It started really basic. Uh, that's how I met Wes, was uh, on this on this forum, Wes. Somebody who signed up on the forum connected us. Um, and there's a few people out there who might remember that. So shout out to you if you're, if you're here. But um, that eventually turned into a bit of a website. We did some of our first gatherings and started to turn it into an organization. We started doing meetups and things. And I was doing at least two per year for a while, um, you know, and that turned into an online community, uh, you know, which is huge now. And, and I, I really want to get into like what our work is because I want to show people what we're doing to bring this Kins domain and Ringing Cedars movement to not just the United States, but international now. We're starting to go pretty international, um, countries outside of Russia. But um, yeah, it's just evolved into this giant um, community of Ringing Cedars readers and there's a lot happening. So I just, just trying to find greater ways to serve, greater ways to connect. That's really what it is. Anastasia tells Vladimir in book three to do everything he can to connect the readers. And um, yeah. I just, I didn't see an efficient way of that happening at the time. So I created the ways um, and now lots is happening because of it, you know? And so I'm, I see myself much more as a facilitator and connector rather than, the, you know, I'm not, all those people are out there creating their kids domains in their lives. I'm just helping. It's, it's an amazing service, though, because, uh, you know, those of us that really resonated with the original books, it's, um, you know, there's so much there. And just for you not only to keep the uh, keep it alive, but actually, you know, bring it into a living embodiment, um, you know, and I think there's a lot of us all working towards the same aim. So, uh, so yeah, congratulations to both of you guys. So we keep talking about ringing cedars and can yeah. we get into a little bit about the cedar trees themselves and what we mean by that? Yeah. Um, so in book one, uh, in the first few pages of book one, Anastasia's grandfather start talking about the cedar and its divine purpose and what it does, but the ringing cedars specifically are Siberian cedar trees growing way deep in the taiga that are unbelievably rare. Um, they are cedars that have grown to be like 550 years old. And at that time, they start ringing. They have accumulated so much energy. She says the cedar accumulates the energy of the sun, the moon, and the stars and stores it. And its divine purpose is to give it back to man when mankind is running low on that energy. And um, so basically the cedar starts to ring and it sounds like an electrical power line or something. And uh, so that's where the title Ringing Cedars comes from because her grandfathers had found a ringing cedar and they wanted Vladimir to come in and cut it down and distribute the pieces so that way people would benefit from it. And so, you know, actually um, Vladimir says that if you have a piece of Siberian cedar, like Wesley's showing us now, that's a Siberian cedar branch. Yeah, right here, everybody. It, it, actually, it actually holds the bright energy that comes off of a person and reflects it back at them. And her grandfather says that just one piece of cedar like that has more beneficial energy for man than all of the man-made power institutions in the whole world. And so I'm kind of crazy. I have three of them. Um, I have three of them. Wow, I need one. But uh, I, I plan on giving, yeah, them to my, giving some to my kids. 
and uh you know it's and don't they say you rub them and they become almost like a stone over time right yeah they, they change color um so like this one it's kind of hard to see but it's kind of a lighter color i haven't rubbed it at all but this one uh right here i never show these to people guys so this is it's darker and if you look on the back it's very dark and um it changes color and absorbs your uh oils and things changes color becomes very beautiful so is there a reputable place where the rest of us can get those i've looked online before and then had you know uh just questions as far as whether they were authentic or not yeah so these aren't ringing cedars by the way um the ones that i have are from a 400 year old tree which is pretty dang old anyway um you can get them the official like website of the author is megree m-e-g-r-e-l-l-c.com that's where you can get like siberian cedar oil you could get your pendants some of the pendants i have come from ringingcedarsofrussia.org they are not like official but they do source real siberian cedar and it's the 400 year old cedar that i'm wearing so so okay. the the ringing aspect um she she gets into this in a very interesting way where it's connected to the universe and all this stuff. Do you want to touch a little bit on that and kind of the science behind it? And then also um, interesting story, how her folks died, right? Um, yeah. With this power that comes from this tree. It's pretty wild. Right. So Anastasia talks about the Siberian cedar being an accumulator of all this cosmic energy. And its purpose is to share it back with man when man needs it. And so um, basically how Anastasia was raised by her grandfathers, her parents passed away when she was a, a young baby. And what happened was, is there was a ringing cedar and basically, um, they were trying to interact with the cedar, her, her mother and father. And, um, I may not be remembering the story hundred percent accurately, but I, what happened was her father climbed to the top of the tree and he, uh, like broke off one of the branches and he st stuck his head, a beam of light started shooting out. The energy from the cedar became un, un, you know, loosened and began emanating out of the top of the cedar. And so much light and information uh, and energy was coming out that when he put his head into it, um, she said for a brief moment, he had incredible, like omnipotent, omniscient understanding of the universe. In, a, in an unbelievable way, but then his body like vaporized after uh, he like died instantly because of how much energy was coming out. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty interesting thing. And so uh, the cedars that we wear, um, Vladimir said can become like the ringing cedars over time. Uh, after wearing them, they accumulate the bright energy from a human and can reflect it back. So I, I would say anybody out there should probably just go get a little Siberian cedar pendant because it's just going to help you You feel better. And could, do you think there's the opportunity to grow these type of cedars? Has anybody tried to grow yeah. these uh, on the state side? Yeah. So we have a lot of people trying to grow Siberian cedars right now. They're pretty hard to germinate um, in general because of their requirements for like cold stratification and things like that. But if you get them going, you can. And um, Anastasia talks about, there's, there's a scene in the books where she talks about um, a city where people grow cedars in their apartment and they, you know, do the thing where they plant it under their tongue 
and then they plant it in a, in a little pot. And she tells these people like to think of this plant very tenderly, to tell your secrets to it, to like mentally give it love and energy and things like that and go and plant those in the street, right? On little plots in the street. And the whole city becomes full of these very special cedars, she says, which are pretty much like the ringing cedars. And she says, uh, this city will become a living temple of the universe, unlike any city that has ever been established. You know, and she says the people of that city will be wise and calm and all those things. And uh, so, yeah, you can grow a, a tree that basically becomes like a ringing cedars. And the cheat code is that it, it becomes like that, not from just accumulating the cosmic energy, but accumulating your energy. Because you are like the light of the sun too, you know, and the planets and the stars and things. You give life to everything. Hmm. I, did that answer Amazing. your question? Yeah, yeah. And I don't the feel other like I'm going on a tangent. No, no, this is amazing. And the other thing about the cedar trees we could t touch on briefly, which Vladimir was his first kind of introduction to what brought him back because he had health issues, was the oils, right? The oils and then also the nuts, or we call pine nuts, I guess, right? And have you had any experience with those oils and the nuts? And are there good sources? Uh, maybe explain a little bit what that's all about. And if are there sources where we can find that stuff? Yeah, so the best source for the oil is McGreeLLC.com. That's the family of the author, Vladimir McGree. They make the oil in like the highest um, standards in the world. It's amazing. They produce it all inside of a building made of Siberian cedar. Um, there's no metal. The oil doesn't ever touch any metal wow. at all. Um, so it's very high quality. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of experiences with it. I used to distribute it for a little bit. So I will probably become a distributor for the oil again in the near future. You guys just like stay tuned for that. But um, Anastasia says it's the strongest healing, natural healing medicine in the world. I know that's a bold statement, and a lot of people have said that. But um, you know, coming from her, I, I believe it. And uh, yeah, Siberian cedar oil has the entire periodic table inside of it. Um, everything is present in Siberian cedar oil, and all of these energies and everything. Um, the nutritional uh you know properties of it are pretty unmatched and it's incredibly healing even in, in small doses um so i won't say too much about it but um yeah it's it's a really if you're having any kind of health problems they call it the oil of uh of a hundred cures or something because uh it really just does cure anything the uh McGreal, uh mcgreelllc.com i found right now uh, yeah. We could put that in the show notes if that is a legit spot to get it. That's where you get it. That's the best spot to get it. And I'm so. I'm shopping online as we speak here on my other computer <laughs> screen. <laughs> there we go, Bear. Yeah. Get some oil. So what do the nuts look like? Are those like a pine nut? Like what we could call pine nuts here, um, the little white pine nuts? Or what do those look like? So I'm moving my camera around. It's because I have a Siberian cedar pine cone right here. Nice. Um, and if I were to break this open, Wesley, on your necklace, you have what the seeds look like. Can you can you show them? Those are the seeds. Can you guys see this here? Oh, wow. Those are the seeds inside of this cone right here. Um, so this is a real Siberian cedar. That's what the seeds look like. And then inside of that is just a soft little white nut. It's very soft, um, very tender, delicious. Um, when I went Makes to Makes a great nut milk. Mm. The best nut milk ever. In the books, her great-grandfather is, we don't know how old he is. The idea is the longevity that comes out of this. Obviously, the lifestyle and what he's tapped into, but just from eating this stuff, 
uh, has a longevity aspect to it on the health side. I mean, that, that guy is, is he still he around? 120. And, what, he's 120. Her great grandfather, by the time he passed away, he was 120. So he and, did pass uh, away. Okay. Yep. He did pass away. Yeah. I kind of spoiled the books, um, but he passes away <laughs> book six. I there's there's going to be some spoil, away, yeah. spoilers in this one. Yeah, Sorry, there's yes. a lot of spoilers. Yeah, there's a lot of spoilers. Yeah, I think the whole story itself of the books is really part of the whole Anastasia story because she predicts this whole thing, you know, he, the whole fact that he even writes a book. Like, he, he wasn't going to write a book, but he does write the book. And, you know, he tries to get it published. No one wants to publish it. And he just starts giving it away for free in the town square in Moscow. And it's, you know, cut to 10 years later or so, it gets translated into English. And it's up to like, I don't know, five or six books long because she keeps going back and getting more information from her. And then cut to today, it's now 10 books, you know, been translated into, you know, over 20 languages. And it's never had a publisher. It's all word of mouth. And you know, real live communities are growing around the teachings of these books, which really are an algorithm of all the great teachings of all the great books, um, you know, with the emphasis on natural programming versus artificial programming. So uh, I think the whole story of the books themselves lends so much credibility to the story. Because, you know, if you just Google this, it's going to say, oh, that's a cult. It's fake. And there's nothing <laughs> they, call it a, they call it a Slavic neo-pagan religion on Wikipedia. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> Which is just wild. That's great. Considering that she is probably more, quote unquote, Christian than many Christians. The way she talks about God and Christ and, and all well, that, you know, it's... She refers to God as the Father. She references Jesus in his life many times. She quotes scripture. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing too is Vladimir's life, right? So uh, he's an interesting character in himself because he, to be honest, kind of annoys me sometimes. He's such a normie in, in some of his, pers you know, perspective and stuff and his, his, and the way he talks, he's very materialist. What are you talking about, Ana Anastasia? It's all, I have money. That's what the goal of this life is, right? I have a cars, I have all this stuff. And I think he kind of plays that up, obviously in the books as a counter to her, but- yeah, it's, uh... It's a classic Carlos Castaneda, Don Juan relationship. Yeah, exactly. But so maybe, spoiler alert, he has, and now he has had two kids with her. Maybe we could touch on this and how this stuff is also another yeah. uh, proof of what's going on, that he has a son and a daughter with her. People have met them. Uh, the son's working on a kin domain. Um, you know, that she does exist. People have gone to try to find her now for years in the taiga. And, and I don't know if you guys have seen this video on YouTube. Have you guys seen this? Because I went digging. There's this really Levi strange. Levitating. The, the, levitating the levitating yeah. daughter one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. That's been out for a, lo a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that was Anastasia's daughter. She's, she's very careful. But um, I'm sure her daughter could levitate, no, no biggie. But um, so, so you want to talk about like Anastasia's children and kind of what? Well, just and well, and I, first before that, the author yeah, yeah. Vladimir, because Vladimir. he's the person that we is we have a direct connection to to this right. material that has said over and over in interviews. Yes, of course she's real. I have kids with her. Where she yep. is now, people have been trying to find her. Please don't try to go go and find her. 
Um, they're now saying that there's hunters that will shoot people out there they in the will. taiga. Uh, so it's very dangerous. <laughs> so, uh, but will. that being said, have you, you guys have met Vladimir? I know Wesley says he has, is he an, in your mind, an authentic individual and how has his life been so massively yeah. changed from this experience? We've both met him a couple of times and, um, he's tremendous. I mean, he's, he's, a. Uh, you know, his background is like a hard-nosed Russian businessman in, from Soviet Russia, right? Like perestroika, entrepreneur, kind of lawless kind of land. You know, it was a wild time that he kind of came up in. Um, and he goes and he meets Anastasia and does a complete 180. I mean, the most dramatic 180 of all time, maybe. Um, and, and so, but who he is now, he's, a, he's an incredible person. The light he gives off is amazing. Um, Wesley, what you wanted to tell your experience with him? I would say that what speaks volumes about Vladimir is his granddaughter, Nina, who, when I met her, was, she was in her early 20s. She spoke a little bit of English. Um, and she basically handled his affairs in New York um, because he doesn't speak any English. And she was so well put together for for such a young woman. And, you know, if you compare that to your average American woman at that age, who's, you know, probably suffers from the Kardashification of our culture, <laughs> you know, the, the young Russian woman just spoke volumes about the authentic, authenticity of this man and his moral standing and his family values um, and his consideration of how to tell these stories that, you know, he, in my opinion, definitely lived. Um, and, and what I mean by that, because when you do read these books, it's like, you know, they do read like a Disney movie. Squirrels come and open up nuts for her. She sleeps with a bear. You know, she talks about, you know, telekinesis and transporting her body and all these things. And I think that what we have to understand is that these things are all capable in in realms that we don't necessarily consider in our waking life. Um, and what the advantages of reading books like this is it makes uh, the synchronicities in your life stand out. I mean, a lot of the reason Gabe and I know each other is from synchronicities. Um, and when you begin to look at life through this other lens, all these other things really fall into place and make complete sense. Um, you, and, and, and what it really allows you to see is how BS the whole system is and how it really is just everything is completely inverted and you're completely removed from yourself and, and you're you symbolically the sole of your foot is stamped on the birth certificate and then that's, you know, monetized and you're a debt slave. Um, and, you know, it's just painfully honest when you be, be, begin to be able to see it from her perspective. And our sensory uh, organs have been just really streamlined through programming to just use one half of the polarity. You know, you mentioned sight. All of our senses have two polarities. Just with the eyes, we have the inner sight is our imagination, which is every bit as real as the part that receives impulses externally and then you know allows us to analyze the mathematical order of externalization 
But when we learn how to couple that and actively use the projection of our imagination out, then all of a sudden an entire different reality is exposed to us. And these people like Anastasia, I had a person in my life that kind of bent my noodle early on, you know, with some experiences and, um, and, you know, that was what the whole experience was about is just learning how to, you know, use both sides of your faculties. And then all of a sudden you're seeing things differently. You're, you're hearing things differently. You know, our ears, the same thing. People don't realize our ears, you know, the two polarities, one part is uh, the little ossicles inside that actually look like miniature leg bones. They receive the kinetic energy from outside, which makes us want to ambulate our lower extremities and actually dance. That's why dancing is a normal thing. And then at the same time, um, the other part of the hearing is actually our larynx. And so when we learn how to just couple all five senses and learn both sides, the truth and everything that Anastasia is talking about is right in front of us all the time. We've just never learned to put the two together and we've been programmed that that doesn't even exist in the first place. You know, the, the um, what's it called? The, uh, the new inf the disinformation folks, you know, that say Anastasia's, you know, make believe and everything, you know, they're out there just every turn discouraging us from, tuning in and, and, and seeing the truth for ourselves. Right. And Anastasia says that she says herself, I exist for, for those for whom I exist. Right. And so, you know, one time uh, the editor of the books, he was asked, you know, is Anastasia real? And, and he answered, do you know anyone who could make up that information inside of those books? Do you know any human who understands things in that way and who could, who could, fabricate that and he said yeah me either um so you know you can you can leave it at that and she also talks about um all those abilities she has right like all the ways that she's using her god-given abilities and we've talked a lot about it like her genetic memory and her kind of omniscience and all these things she says you know i am just man she says throughout the books that i am not above you she gets upset <laughs> at vladimir when whenever he kind of deifies her and he says, listen, I'm just a woman of the human species. And I, everyone has these abilities, if only they were able to tune into them, right? And she says that she wants to restore people's abilities, you know? So through living this kind of life, um, we start to wake up to those higher aspects of ourselves, right? Like it's all there. Yeah, I will say this on those who are wondering about proofs, you know, in the end, the proof is in the pudding, right? What we get out Indeed. of it. But that being said, Vladimir, um, he went from stuff that she told him about ancient sites and things. He went and discovered them in, it was it Eastern Europe or in the Slavic areas of ancient relic places that she talks about. And he took, yep. he went in for like a year and went looking for this and found these places so um, there's a lot of proofs because Vladimir, he said he won't put anything out in the books that he can't go and verify through quote unquote science or other texts. He was very like very Western scientist viewpoint on that aspect. So there are a lot of proofs in the book. And if you read the notes and things where um, showing that this is a real person that he's getting this information from. Speaking of that, and there's, oh, I'm sorry. Um, there, she, she predicts the future on a lot of things, 
you know? And so uh. if you look in the footnotes of the books, there's things that were written in these books in the late nineties that are coming true now. Like I, like I was talking about this law on Kin's domains, like she, she talked about this in 1997, 96. And right now the Russian Duma is voting on this to pass this law and give out two and a half acres to everyone in Russia. Just saying, you know, I don't know how a random Russian entrepreneur could have came up with that. But, you know, it's like if people don't want to believe, then it is what it is. But it, like you say, the proof is in the pudding. And, and the proof is happy families all over Russia and across Europe and the United States and things that are happening. You know, they're planting trees. They are um, regenerating this world. They're giving birth to happy, healthy children. They're giving, you know, they're teaching their children and giving them a consciousness of love and of God. And you know what? If that's what comes from the books, then, then what are you, you going to say? You know what I mean? So how is this taking hold in North America? That's something we're very able to answer. Um, and so what has happened is that in Russia, uh, I mentioned there's like 500 settlements-ish right now. And then if you look at the other, and that, those are the, just the ones they know about. Um, and then if you look at the surrounding countries, there's a whole bunch like Ukraine, Belarus, um, all over that part of the world, even in parts of Europe. The German Ringing Cedars movement is actually huge. It's actually so big that the German government has uh, started saying that the books are like racist and for Nazis and they're trying to <laughs> ban them in the country. Yeah, they're trying to ban them in Germany. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. So the German Ringing Cedars community is huge. Um, but in North America, a few settlements have come and gone. Tens of thousands, potentially maybe the low hundreds of thousands of people have read the books in the United States, for sure, like Canada and England, Western areas. But um, some settlements have started to crop up, but they, um, there's nothing really permanent. So we don't have you know, a large scale settlement like they do in, in, uh, in Russia, where it's even more than 10 or 15 families. We don't even have that yet. But um, I uh, think just real problem, quick, uh, Gabriel, yeah. but how many people in Russia, do you, how many kin domains do you think there are and how big has been, how, how big are these yeah. books in Russia? They're massive. I mean, in Russia, um, it's a huge thing um, in Russia. There's, you know, so I keep saying settlement. So a settlement is, uh, you know, a whole group of kin's domains. The biggest ones are like 400 families, you know, maybe more. Um, the smallest ones, you know, 10 families, something like that. And then there's all these people creating their domains individually too. And those will become settlements eventually and things. And so it's, it's thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And then there's also just the readers in the country who, who want to create domains, but they can't, but they're kind of dreaming of this. And so something like that law being passed where they all get two and a half acres of land is a boon for them and will probably lead to a, a, a huge increase in the amount of settlements there. But um, in, in so North America, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well, no, finish uh, with North America, and then I I just had a question. Sure. So in North America, um, we're kind of in this state where there's a lot of individual kin's domains all over the place. But the problem is there's a lack of communication among the readership because when the movement started in Russia, they had um, a nonprofit called the Anastasia Foundation, but in Russia. Uh, was facilitating connection among all the readers, do readers clubs, events, information, news, and all these things, some level of organization and ability for people to communicate. 
And then all these other little organizations cropped up, but we never had that for like the last 15, 17 years that have, the books have been published in English. There was no real easy way where you could find other readers unless you either knew people in real life or you found them in some random little Facebook group. Um, and so what we're doing is we're solving the problem of not being able to find other readers. We're also, I actually have some notes about all the different things we're doing that I'd love to share just so people can see all the ways that we're doing this. Um, I don't know if now is the appropriate time, maybe later, but yeah, sure. so in, in North America, um, there isn't really any settlements. There's a bunch of domains everywhere. People are starting to get together and, and buy land and, and start to create settlements. So like even Wesley just sold his land to, to a group that's trying to create a settlement up in uh, British Columbia. Um, and so, yeah, there, there, there's a lot that's starting to emerge, but it, it hasn't really developed like it has in Russia, like not even close. Yeah, and there's Bruce in Arizona. There are several um, people with, with the intention to start them and are, are along the way of starting them. Um, on the individual level, one of the keys is owning the title, the underlying alloyal title in perpetuity without paying any taxes on it. That's the model or paying any taxes on anything it produces like food or whatever. And so making that the model in the West is tough. Difficult. What mm -hmm. we're trying to do with what I'm doing with my land sale is putting it in a trust and then uh, with a nonprofit trust, that holds the title. And then the people can be beneficiaries and pass it down. But these are all things that we're still obviously working out. But we're trying to do things outside the quote unquote debt system. Um, yeah. Just so yeah. you know, Bear, uh, Gabriel so, and yeah. Wes, they know Ron Gibson and have worked okay. with them. So I just wanted you to know that because uh -huh. I know we're about to go deep into this and we know this stuff too. And I think this is where- <laughs> well, the you, know, uh, you know, I just got triggered, right? Well, so I know this is where- <laughs> In a this good is way. Where the, this is where the magic is going to happen because yeah. I think yeah, alphabetic so, and this- Anyways, mm. go ahead, Bear. I think we can really put our heads yeah, together. I, I, can I say just, one just thing? Just a couple. Go ahead, go ahead. So you mentioned first. Ron Gibson. We're doing an event with Ron Gibson about mm -hmm. getting land patents for your domains and for settlements. So anybody who's already familiar okay. with land patents and all that, we're, yeah. we're getting into that and we're going to put that out to the whole domain series. Yeah, and and as you guys know, we did a three-part series on that. Um, That's how I found started you guys. Off and then, yeah, then had Ron over... So uh, just a little teaser for this uh, event that we are um, talking about, nobody knows about, that's going to be here, a workshop on the land. Um, we're going to start with a three-part process where you have a trust sort of situation, a land trust. Then you secondarily get rid of your deeds, which would be akin to a loyal title, right? Land patent. But now we go to the next level because we're working with Marsha Ann and she is really adept at helping us understand that we're all operating under the War Powers Act. Now, when we revert to our original titles uh, without the deeds, that's good. It gets rid of a lot of, uh, it puts a lot of speed bumps in the way of the, of the, the predators out there. On the other hand, now we have a title that's still based on conquest and the War Powers Act. So now we want to go the next step 
of uh, having a title that is free and clear of the War Powers Act at the same time. And we believe that's very important because if we're going to do uh, anything like what you're, you, the whole, um, you know, process that you guys are talking about, we just don't want to be tainted with any level of, um, you know, maritime conquest and that sort of thing in the first place. Sure. So uh, my next question was, um, you know, we're obviously doing our thing here and, uh, and we really do feel more of an alignment with the direction you're going. And we talk about permaculture a lot, which is okay. You know, it's again, baby steps into maybe what, what you're about, but it's, it's very, it's become very clinical and academic. I did um, a permaculture certification at Oregon State a few years ago, just just for the hell of it, and I was very disappointed, really. I was going to do that. Uh, yeah, learn a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so okay, you got a piece of paper, and it still doesn't, you know, even touch on some of the things we're talking about here. Let alone even teach you how to do things intelligently and know how to adapt to your own piece of land. They do kind of, but not really. So I guess my question is, is how do people like ourselves, um, you know, maybe integrate more fully uh, with your project and just bring this other dimension into it so that we can get past this adolescent stage of permaculture, which is where I feel like where we're at. Mm -hmm. So are you saying like moving to a, a, an understanding that's beyond kind of this design science of permaculture? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's what we're already doing and living here on the land. Uh, my wife, and myself, we started, you know, the last couple of farms and this one we're on here. That's where we come from in our own consciousness. But when we're interacting with people outside, we use a lot of the permaculture, biodynamics terminology, you know, which has some yeah. value. Um, but uh, it, I think we need to sort of catapult out a little bit quicker now because of uh, to keep pace with what's going on in the world stage, we'll say, uh, because we're going to we're going to thrive through this thing only when the consciousness shifts. And I don't think just uh, doing a permaculture design is going to get us all the way home. Right. That's so I'll give my best answer and you tell me if that satisfies your Okay. <laughs> um, so how I understand it is that, you know, permaculture is a valuable tool, but it is mm -hmm. simply a tool. It's not what Anastasia gives in the Ringing Cedars books is an entire perspective about man and God. And it's a consciousness shift. Right. And she talks about consciously interacting with nature with love. Right. You're not even just going and getting a piece of land and saying, like, this is my garden, but my house is somewhere else. And I just like visit my garden or something. It's my home is here. I'm settling my family here. I'm taking the love that I feel in my heart and embodying it here. And so your interaction with that piece of land is already completely different than, you know, what's happening in, in, in the usual situation, right? Because it's the intention and the consciousness behind it is different. And so she says that a single creator inspired by love is greater than all the scientific institutions combined, which are devoid of love, right? You know, and so she says all that information is within us. But when we're tapped into that, it can kind of unfold. Um, so that was my first thought about your question. Does mm -hmm. that go in the right direction? Uh, oh, exactly. And it's exactly what I would say as well. But I just wanted to open it up for discussion here. 
Yeah, what I would add to that is the the self-expression aspect of it. Um, and that, like I said earlier, it's a canvas for you to 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 present yourself like, you know, we're we're artists and every impression that we do during this lifetime leaves a mark. And your your garden, your your kin's domain, your space of love is your self-expression and through that expression, that uh, it's like um, it's a therapy. It's uh, you, you begin to resonate at your true self, um, and you know whether that your your design is is created and you wrote it down first, or you took it from someone else, or you intuited it. Whatever you created, that that physical biological pattern will bring in the chymatics that allow you to resonate at your highest, healthiest, most perfect self. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a more, it's literally, I was just say it's literally an alchemist lab. You know, it's a two way process. When I was going through my certification, I had this uh, person that, over, you know, the teacher that oversaw my project and uh, was my uh, director, we'll say. And she was constantly interjecting on how I needed to do things. Meanwhile, I was on a real piece of land and I was always at yeah. odds just saying, the land uh, won't let me do that there. It doesn't work. I know, you know, you've got your academic approach, but it, you know, you have to be here. You have to have a communication with the land. And, you know, when you live like this, there's really no demarcation between the inside of your house, the outside of your house, yourself, the plants. It's a constant resonance back and forth. And, uh, you know, as I look out my window here, uh, you know, those are our children and we love each other. And, and there's that constant communication line open. And there's always, always telling us what the next step is for us to do here on the land. It's not us just getting in our mentals and, and figuring out something on paper. Right. And where I would add to that is she mentions in the book that when you first go into nature, nature challenges you because it's not mm -hmm. used to you. It doesn't know what you're there for. And, and it's not until you really set your intention and you spend a good period of time in nature that she opens up to you. And I can tell mm -hmm. you from firsthand experience, um, this piece of land that I bought up in British Columbia, the first three or four months, I, I literally was living there without a structure or anything um, except a tent. Every single bramble or stick I stepped on would go right into my foot in the deepest, most painful place. <laughs> but then by the end of the summer, you know, three, four, five months into it, I was running through the same brambles and they would just move out of the way or just, <laughs> I would feel them, but they would not leave a mark. And I just saw mm -hmm. that nature was just moving right out of my way. And, and, it, and it happened that way. It's literally legitimately how it happened. That yeah, is, that I, is I, would, so yeah. I was just going to say, Bear, that is so profound. And this is the thinking that we need to start seeing the world as that it's a two way street because I go barefoot pretty much whenever I'm gardening or outside. And my dad is for one person like you shouldn't be doing it. You're going to step, you know, you're going to hurt yourself. And I was saying, well, in nature, 
there's really nothing super designed to hurt you like in that way on your feet, right? Besides like a bramble or a sharp stick. It's the, it's the man-made stuff. If you get, you know, the nails and the cut glass and all that stuff that can hurt you. And so it is interesting where, um, when you're really, when I'm really in the flow, like towards the end of the summer and my feet have been calloused heavily by that time, i never get hurt. And I love that description Wes that it's nature feeding back from you and moving out of the way and it's we got to start thinking in these terms more yeah it's, like, it's so true she, so true I, I don't the poison oak even leaves me alone on my own land that you know I work right in it I'm waiting in it and and uh, you know and I used to get it pretty severely but just leaves me alone so bear bear you mentioned that you know when you're living this way that everything is kind mm-hmm. of feeding back to you. And, and you're saying that the, the house is not, you know, necessarily the home. It's the entire home is, is the land, right? And everything growing on the land. And Anastasia says that, she says that, that exact thing. She says, she doesn't refer to a home as a structure, as a house. She says the entire two and a half acre kin's domain is the home, right? And, and she says that um, this, she says it's a living entity and it continues to grow in perpetuity. And she says, uh, this is how the creator himself thought up the whole balance of things. Everything around you is charged with the task of cherishing and delighting you and your children and cherishing and feeding them. Right. And it's like when when we have that direct communication, everything starts to respond back to us, you know, and and actually fulfill its purpose because we 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 live in the world, but we're not connected to it. So it's like we talk about having a piece of motherland right? A piece of the motherland. We all live in the United States or we all live in Canada or we all live wherever, but we can't say a piece of that land is ours, right? But we're supposed to take a piece of that land and cultivate it and, you know, become stewards of it and, and settle our family line there and all that. And, and anyway, you can see where I'm going with it. Yeah. And we can even get into building materials uh, that are more naturally inclined. You know, our whole house, there's a lot of natural building materials here. In fact, our whole interior, Michael tell you, it's all cedar. And uh, so, you know, it does create that resonance between the inside and outside. You don't have all these synthetic synthetics that are creating a barrier in the first place. So that's uh, helpful if you make your dwelling actually part of the outside in that way. Right. She tells people when they're building their domains too, she says, don't make the house too big or solid because your descendants will want to make them out of more uh, better materials, she says, but those materials don't exist yet. She says, they're going to want to plant, they're going to want to cut down the trees that their grandfather or their grandmother plants mm-hmm. it and they hold that resonance of love. And she says uh, yeah. the house that they build out of those, out of those materials will cure them and, and keep them away from all kinds of evils and protect them, you know? Yeah, I was reading this kind of occulted book about Atlantis that Bear had given me, and one of their great technologies that they used was they were growing um, this sort of fiber that they figured out how to grow, and it was uh, like more powerful and strong, stronger than anything we have in modern times right now, anything synthetic, and they could only grow it at a certain place, and a lot of their technologies were based on these kind of concepts, Right. And so I foresee a future where we move back into that and we work more with Mother Nature and also the way we work with animals. Um, and, you know, one thing that I struggle with sometimes is pests. Like I see animals as pests, but Anast- uh, Anastasia would say, no, that, you know, when you start to work within the realm of nature better, those pests actually start to 
they're, you realize they're not pests. They're, they're doing, they're balancing the imbalance that I've created on the land. Um, so that is interesting, Baird, because <laughs> I know with, with where you are, you have bear, you have mountain lion, you have all these, these creatures that want to come in, knock stuff down. But how do we engage with them in a way where we kind of transmute that mentality of them being something as a pest and more as someone as an ally? Uh, these are yeah. ways that, we, yeah, well, you know. Our first couple of years here, the bears were relentless with us. You know, they'd be up on our deck, you know, and looking in the, you know, the sliding glass door and standing in front of your truck when you need to go, you know, get it and everything. I had a little standoff one day where I got like just within a few feet and we kind of had a little uh, communication and, and uh, then he just walked away. And ever since then, uh, the bear just sort of leave us alone. You know, we'll notice them in a distance, just kind of ambling through the, the property, but they don't come around here or bother us anymore. And we've got tons of fruit trees and everything that we've, uh, you know, planted in other places up here in this um, kind of off grid community where we're at, you know, the bears are just terrorizing everything you plant, but we haven't had any problem. Yeah, Wesley, actually, on the cover of the book you have there, The Space of Love, you see the bear and the eagle. Um, and, you know, and, and we're talking about the relationship with animals. And, and Mike, I guess you're, you're thinking about like Anastasia's relationship with the animals. And she's got these animals that serve her and listen to her and love her and would protect her and her children to the, to the utmost. Yeah. And, and what's interesting yeah. is that, you know, she birthed her son right there in that glade and the taiga in the presence of all those animals. So the animals witnessed the birth and they, and they help raise the children too. Right. And she was even partially raised by animals because her parents died when she was like two. So she couldn't breastfeed. So she was taking animal from like the, the wolf that was there um, taking milk from the wolf. And uh, so those animals become like, they witness this birth and, and now they just say, we're going to give our lives for this child unconditionally, like forever, you know, and it's not mysticism that the animals are just serving her. They, her family has been in that place for millennia um, and generations of those animals know like her and, and her family. You know? Well, and there's this resonance idea. So when she's, when Vladimir upsets her on a few occasions, um, you could feel the whole resonance of the entire glade that she's in start to uh, get quiet and get in tune with her emotions. She is so mm -hmm. tapped in as a master that everything around her, her entire atmosphere, all, from the little tiny microorganisms to the wolves, they are in like in resonance with her and she's a master yeah. of them. And it just shows that, man, we are the master of this realm. We, this God gave us this beautiful garden planet for the garden realm, whatever you want to call it, so that we can co-create, so we can be his expression of love, right? And that relates to every micro element of this natural world into our consciousness. And it's so cool when she really um, shows this in many ways, like the first time Vladimir sleeps in the, her cave, he wakes up and he's, he's got his head on a bear <laughs> and yeah. freaks out. <laughs> and you realize that that's her friend that she hangs out with. Um, it's just like Wes says, it sounds like a Disney movie, but there is magic that isn't magic. It's real science. It's really how nature works. And I just love it so much. And Anna Breitenbach, who I've been trying to get on the show, I need to reach out to her again. She has shown 
in with real scientific means in university, she is an animal psychic and she can speak with animals and know what they're doing and have them do things. This is a real phenomenon. This isn't yep. fantasy. This is the one of the superpowers that we all can have. And to your point, Mike, about the communication with nature and how everything responds to her, there's a part where she demonstrates to Vladimir her connection with the glade and the environment around her. And so she's sitting with him on the, and their backs are on a cedar tree and she slips her hand over his heart. And she says, I can adjust, you know, my heartbeat to match yours. And she says, watch what happens when I match my heartbeat to yours, listen to everything around you. And she lowers her heartbeat to match his and the sounds of everything change and the birds and the chirping and everything changes because that environment knows her I, is so connected to her that it responds to every little change inside of her. And so he, he says he felt a feeling of happiness in that moment that he had never understood. He's like, it's all the happinesses of, of all his lifetime. Um, he's like, he said he couldn't conceive of this kind of happiness. And he's like, is this what it's like, you know, to be connected with nature? And then she, she raises her heartbeat again and the birds start chirping faster and everything starts going and and he's like, no, 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 please do it again. Like, I need to feel this happiness. And so that's, that's what happens, though, in our lives with the king's domain, like eventually, right? It's that piece of land gets to know you so intimately that it, you will be connected to nature in that way. You know? So uh, maybe it's one of our final little discussion points here. You talk about meeting your soulmate. Uh, you sure. know, in some of your work there. So maybe you can counsel the gentlemen that are listening, the single gentlemen, how they can meet their own forest nymph. Yeah. <laughs> it happened to me. I was blessed. Um, and so why, why does meeting your soulmate even come up, right? So um, to create, so Anastasia describes that, you know, the purpose of mankind is co-creation and, and joy for all from its contemplation. And that's, that's the main sentence that kind of sums up the philosophy and the ultimate fulfillment of that is birth. So how do you, how do you give birth to something in joy? Well, you need to find your second half. How do you create a kin's domain full of love or whatever You find your second half? And so, um, yeah, I mean, how to, how to find your soulmate? I mean, join our communities, come to our events, you know, if, you, if, you're, <laughs> if you're, that's what happened to me. Um, you know, four years and running. But uh, I mean, it's important because everyone has someone out there that's for them, right? And all of us, you know, we're, we're, we're polarities here in this, in, this, in this realm, as we say. We, all of us here are the male polarity, but we have the female polarity and we need to unify them because God is the unity of all these things. And so to fulfill our purpose- There's actually our, uh, 37 polarities. Yeah, well- there we go. Right. Um, as they say now. Right. Um, so anyway, um, it's important because you find this person, your other half and you feel that love and you take this inspired feeling and you nurture it and you give a material embodiment to it by creating a kin's domain. Actually, there's a quote I wanted to read that's exactly about this. If you guys um, don't mind. Um, Vladimir says, let each one of us take a small plot of his land, one hectare, pull his whole mind and whole spirituality together and create a very small but concrete paradise. He will transform his little piece of land on our large planet into a flourishing garden, giving a material embodiment to his spirituality, following God's example. 
If millions of people do this in a whole lot of countries, then the whole earth will become a flourishing garden. Here, here's the point. A father and mother who are actually creating a space of love for their children are more spiritual than the most celebrated wise men who only talk about spirituality. Let the spirit of each man spring up from the ground as a beautiful flower, a tree with fragrant fruit, and let this take place on every single hectare of our planet. So we can't have that kind of co-creation if you don't find your soulmate. So finding your soulmate is a big thing in the Ringing Cedar series. And uh, yeah. I think- And Gurdjieff, uh, go ahead. I would say to add to that, um, really the underlying force to finding your soulmate is community building. And uh, nice. so, you know, integrating the Anastasia community with the Alpha Vedic community, uh, and there's many other communities that are living with purpose and intuitively um, living in divinity like this. Um, one of the things that I would say that is happening on the other side of the spectrum that, that Anastasia talks about in the books is that much of humanity isn't even raising their own children. She talks about this uh, term paternal impression phenomenon, which uh, I guess um, someone came up with uh, someone in animal husbandry when they were breeding their, their stallion with a female zebra and was getting, not, no, no, it was a male zebra and a female horse and they weren't getting any offspring. And then they bred the, the mare with a stallion and they got offspring, but the offspring had faint stripes like a zebra, even though it wasn't technically the zebra offspring. And they call this paternal impression phenomenon. And a lot of what society might be suffering from is people living so outside of the natural law of morality that they're literally, um, you know, raising children that might not even completely come from them. You, mm -hmm. you, you mentioned something very important here, which we haven't totally touched on, was natural law and morality. And this is something that Anastasia really stresses. There was someone in the chat here who just mentioned this, this, I love this positivity, but this new age gobbledygook is off-putting. There's really nothing quote unquote new age about these nothing books when you read them. It. They are very grounded in natural law. Like we said earlier, it's almost like she's more Christian than most Christians these days. Um, and it's very grounded in the idea that we need to get back to a moral state of what man is supposed to be if we want this to be successful. This goes back to the very beginning of actually uh, what I, we talked about with um, what she's, you know, with what they're trying to do in Russia, right? With um, what are they called? The um, what's that? The motherland, the, motherland, the motherland party. Yeah. Right. Can you guys so talk to that real quick and maybe a good way to kind of sum this all up? Yeah. So, you know, for the new age stuff, it's like, what's more practical than establishing families that live together in love? And that's how we were created to be, right? We lost um, you there for a second, Gabriel. Could you repeat that? No, what I was saying is what's, what's new age about, uh, you know, for anyone who thinks it's new age, what's, what's new age about a family being established in love and, creating a beautiful paradise around them for themselves and their children. What's more practical than that? I mean, I'd love to find an answer, but I don't think there is any. <laughs> it makes me you think know? of Owen Benjamin and the bear Taria stuff, you know, and like they're very Christian, but I think if there any of the bears are listening, I think they're really going to get this stuff. Right. For I think sure. it's very much in line with their, what Owen's pushing, which is go get your own land and focus on your family and be moral. Like this yeah. is, 
basically Anastasia's thing. And and Wes, you're a bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been to some meetups. I, I definitely listened to Owen. I've been following him for a while. And he is one of the people who is intuiting this message. I don't know if he's read the books. He doesn't talk about reading them, but he's definitely living that lifestyle and raising his children in that lifestyle. Beautiful. Um, he's a self-described bard which Anastasia, those are the exact words <laughs> Anastasia says. That. Yeah. that is the type of uh, people that will be bringing the, the message forward for this next generation is bards. Um, so yeah, I do think that, yeah, that community is a perfect example uh, of people who are another group that's accused of being a cult, but it's nothing like a cult. They're just living in harmony with the, with the true nature of reality. And, and, you know, that's all it really is. We've been accused of the same here, the Alpha Vedic cult. Yeah, people email me and they say I'm a Nazi. I'm like, I'm Puerto Rican. Um, <laughs> anyway, can, can I share my screen with you guys to finish off some of those? Yeah, pitches? yeah, you should be able to still do that. Yeah, so look at this, you know, th this image right here, this is what it's all about. This is a kid on who was born on a kin's domain, frolicking and having fun through his kin's domain. What's more beautiful than this? You know what I mean? This is what it's all about. This is what the settlements look like. People are building their houses with their own hands. Um, look at all these happy faces and all these people building a new society. It's a new civilization that's coming into birth right now. And um, it's, it's existing outside of the current system, but it's there. You know, all these people doing these wonderful things. You got kids planting the trees with their moms. Um, look at this. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Uh, so I just wanted to share that real quick because that, that's what it's really about, man. It's about family. It's about love. It's about um, we're creating a whole new world, you know? And, and I will say this on the Nazi tip, which is just not anybody's a Nazi these days. I, I take honor in being called yeah. a Nazi these days. It's, it's pretty um, cool. Uh, but the indigenous, you know, the indigenous, and this kind of goes back to what Bear was saying about the maritime um, domination of, you know, that kind of aspect of our society as well. The indigenous, obviously, were living like this in many ways, and I think embracing the indigenous communities as well, and and working with them mm -hmm. to help them kind of revive their traditions and join us in this new focus of creating these kin domains. Kins domains. I think that could be a really amazing strategy for North America, if you yep. guys have touched on trying to communicate. So Marsha Ann, who we briefly touched on, who will be coming on AlphaCast, um, she, uh, she randomly got me introduced through through Cordal with the Squamish Nation, and they are creating their own sovereign bank and their own sovereign mm -hmm. setup. And I think like working with the Squamish Sovereign uh, Foundation there with Anastasia and us connecting, I think now we have a model that we can follow. And I think they would really be into this. And then we tie that into sovereign uh, new forms of bartering and money and uh, law and all the things Ron's doing. And now we have a model for a parallel society that can actually work. Yep, that's 100%. And, and I agree with you on, on the Native American thing. Um, to help reclaim their land and establish and bring strength back to their peoples. I'd love to get connected if you want to introduce me, but we're already yeah. connected with the Aniawea Nation. They're Cherokee. It's a Cherokee tribe. Um, and we've got a lot of support from them. Um, and they, they are a sovereign nation as well. Um, and, you know, we're getting a lot of support. They helped me set up the Anastasia Trust. It's like a foreign grantor trust and all these things. Amazing people. But um, yeah, I agree a million percent.
I have a feeling that yeah. a lot of those people, sorry, I'll just say this, Barry, a lot of those, the heritage are the same as, on, as Anastasia. They come from those same original bloodlines that go way back. Go ahead, Bear. No, I was just going to close in saying that, um, you know, sometimes we have a tendency to beat ourselves up for straying so far from just nature and general natural law. But if you look at the full circle that's now being closed as we come around the bend once again, we have a newfound appreciation for what we lost. And I think that's all part of the process. So we, we left innocence and now we're coming back to innocence, but with eyes uh, wide open and also in a way where we won't sabotage ourselves again in the future or let somebody else uh, take advantage of us. So here we are. This is the best of times right now. And while other people are waiting for the other shooter to drop, I just think this is the best time in history and um, well, I wouldn't miss it for the world. So thank you guys so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor and a pleasure. And um, the best ways to get a hold of both you guys, websites, all that, they will be in the show notes below too. Yeah, our website is anastasia.foundation. You can check out all about our work there. We're doing all kinds of things. We've got, um, we're doing in-person events. We've got a Telegram group, Facebook group. We've got our own social network platform, the Ringing Cedars community platform, where you can see readers on a map near you. There's readers groups on there. You can find your soulmate, message people, all that. It's all there. Um, we do community calls. We've got regular Zoom calls happening every week, guided imagery, readers groups, Kin's Domain design calls. We've got a European community call for any Europeans out there. We're expanding internationally. We're going to have leaders in all these different countries. We're doing in-person events as soon as I move back to the USA. Um, We've got regional ambassadors now who are going to be doing meetups in their local regions across the United States and the one in Europe. Um, so we're going to be doing all kinds of in-person events. We've got all kinds of stuff happening. We're doing the land patent event with Ron Gibson um, in August. Um, we're just doing a lot. So, you know, go sign up on our email list. We're also most likely going to be republishing the entire series of books because they're currently out of print. That's why if you try to get them, you're going to see that they are very expensive. It's unfortunate, but I'm working to solve that problem. I've got a round of funding coming in very soon, which is going to enable me to get started on all that stuff. So we're going to republish the books at a very, at the lowest cost that I possibly can um, for everybody. So yeah, go check out our website, go sign up on the email list. You know, thanks it's, for bringing, it's only just beginning. Man. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I forgot to touch on that. That's a very, very important aspect because we get hit up a lot. Where do I get the whole series of books? Where do I get this? So I think guys, uh, yeah, go support the foundation so we can get these reprinted uh, and get these out to everyone in the States and Canada and the West uh, English speaking countries. And then also of course have them, um, you know, translated into Spanish and to Chinese everywhere, because yeah. this is a global movement. This is a worldwide movement. And then also, um, you were saying real quick, there was two new books in Russian or something. There was some new stuff that's recently come out. Yeah. Yeah. So they updated book one. Um, so there's a fourth edition now and there's a whole bunch of, it was updated in 2020 or 2021, I think 2021. And there's a bunch of new chapters about things that are happening in Russia right now. Um, Anastasia's son, you know, and what he's doing right now, which we didn't get to touch on. Um, and, and all these other things. So, but it's just in Russian. There's also a book 10 for those of you who don't know, you're probably going to see the first nine books are the most 
well known, but there's also a book 10 that's out of print too. Um, so make sure that if, you, if you've read the series already, make sure you read book 10. It's all in PDF form. Come into our Telegram group. I'll hook you up with the PDF. You can print it out ideally. Um, but yeah, until we're able to print it all again, everything's out of print. So tough situation, but yeah. Cool. And then Wes, uh, any uh, updates on your end, what you're up to? Oh, I would just leave uh, people with maybe one last example of how uh, Anastasia bridges mythology with um, practicality is uh, we mentioned the Owen Benjamin community made me think of dragons. Walter Smith is a big dragon fan and Anastasia explains dragons as being these ancient beasts that had um, flint in their mouth and similar to the cow like where teeth. they would have where they have a gaseous stomach, the flint in their mouth would allow them to turn the gas into fire. And so there you go. Those are dragons explained. Um, otherwise, uh, uh, you know, I'm not online that much. I mean, I, I do, you know, use our, our platforms, but uh, I'll try to meet me in the world world. Catch me outside, guys. Yeah, what, Wes is in the real world more than on the digital. If you come on yeah. the digital, you'll find me. I protect and, my uh, screen time. And yeah, the door is always open for you guys up here. We'd love to see you sometime. Come hang out, jump in the river with us in the summer. Uh, help Thank us uh, help us out in the gardens. Uh, we'd love to see you. Yeah, I'd love, love to. Yeah, maybe we can do a workshop down the line and Anastasia get together up here. That would be really fun. And of course, I want to connect on the Larger Music and Sky Festival, which we're going to do everything in our power to get Bear there to talk because he's the one of the most asked people to speak uh, on stage um, but uh, this will be in the fall and to have a whole Anastasia booth um, I really want to have you guys there uh, I think this is one of my priorities is getting this information out so uh, and that is the perfect crowd of course they're all hippie you know new school hippie not wearing shoes but also not you know brainwashed uh, yep. uh, collectivists. <laughs> so, um, Hey guys, this has been amazing. Thanks so much. I hope you guys all enjoyed this chat. If you did, please give us a thumbs up, share it. Um, this really helps us get the information out. Uh, go support these guys work, uh, at Anastasia.foundation and we will see you next work with Greg Paul from the law for mankind. The hits just keep coming, man. So I love this. Uh, all these shows we're doing, they all work. They all like synchronize in with each other. So, uh, Okay. Thanks guys. Uh, we'll see you on telegram. I didn't even say that, uh, begin the show, our community, uh, t.me forward slash alpha Vedic on telegram on discord, which is actually a really fun alternative telegrams, more of a, just a constant flow of chat. Discord is great. It's more like a classic forum. Great info on there. Alphavedic.com forward slash discord. And you can support us on Patreon right now. Patreon.com forward slash Alphavedic. However, we are moving off that. And of course, Alphavedic.com. If you're in the States, you can really support us and your health and your vitality by buying our products, which are all handmade on the farm. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So we'll see you next week, guys. Love you all. And remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go plant something. Mother Nature is the greatest teacher and she's here for us and we're here for her. Love you all. all right. Cheers. Bye everybody. Thank you.